Can I tell you, can I tell you my favorite thing about this episode? Sure. How many M names there were. <laughs> You're like, hello. hello. Hello, my people. Hello. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm, uh, yeah? I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little sleepy. Little, oh, uh, it's that time of year. You always gonna want to. It's, it's good nap weather. It is good nap weather, but it's mm-hmm. also oh god, oh god. There's only uh, less than a month left in the year. Um, Thank God. Right, in but this like hellscape of 2020. I'm also like eight books behind in my Goodreads challenge, so I'm just like, can I read? Is that really the worst thing that you can say? A month? I just don't like failing challenges. Oh. And I know it's a challenge a fail. I took on myself. It's not a fail. It's a but... not yet. You need to change your mindset, Katie. Uh, I guess. You haven't finished yet. Yeah, but I mean you the point is the I don't think I don't think yet. I can without like super cheating and like reading a bunch of comic books. <laughs> well, I feel like if nothing else, twenty twenty has given us a good excuse. I feel like we should be able to slash all of our goals at least in half, or if not, totally shelve them for a year. True. Right? I mean, and I did do better. So I've only really achieved the 50 books in a year once, and I, like, crushed it. Um, and then last year, I went through a period of, like, three months when I couldn't be, like, alone with my thoughts. Because uh, I would just sit there and be, like, depressed yeah so yeah. i didn't read for three months so I, I came to work close less i think last year i read like 30 so like i just i'm doing better already but good i just don't think it's i don't think it's gonna happen for me i agree year. i think i i have some books that have been on my to read list and it is actually really hard to read them these days because you do have to get to kind of a quiet place in your mind before you can read mm. them and i don't always like going there lately or the past eight months so yeah a lot of times a lot of times like i'll be like i should read right now um but instead i'm gonna watch this try guys youtube video i've watched about 10 times already well and there's also so many good podcasts to listen to including perhaps ours um you know who has not been listening (gasps) i have not heard the code word yet oh my goodness i feel like we're gonna have to um like just keep like my you know it's been x episodes since yes i think this is uh, at least the third episode this is this is papaya became the code, code word, word papaya i have not heard it yet you know what i also haven't heard hmm. our, in- our intro <laughs> <laughs> hello listeners i'm mm and i'm katie <laughs> and this is the wine times mysteries podcast Come pop a bottle with us. We're obviously already drinking. (laughs) But in actuality, we are bi-coastal besties bonding over wine. And mysteries. So So this this episode, oh my gosh, I just, I cut you off because let me tell you, everyone, I'm wagging my finger around. I was prepared to be on a social justice tangent this episode was not what i thought it was going to be i saw that there was a black man that had been on death row that had escaped and that was what this was about and my first thought was okay there is a black man who was incarcerated in the mid-1960s 
he was railroaded. It was a false confession. They threw him in jail, death row. He escaped because he didn't do it. Good for him. Because we <laughs> live that in a garbage is... country. <laughs> yeah, because we live in a garbage country. And you know what? Um, about, I don't know, five seconds in, I was like, that. this is not, this is not what I, no, I was, I should have waited is what yes. I should have done. I should have waited and actually seen what the episode was about. Because I had to walk a lot of stuff. I had to get myself into a different <laughs> emotional space to be prepared for for this episode. Right. I mean, I still do have my, my tangent of I don't support the death penalty. However. No, I don't either. And it's, I know it's a controversial thing in the U.S. There are some people that are very pro it. However, I'm not. You're not. I think it's fine. It's fine. Those are our opinions. At me if you want to. I really don't care. You're not going to um, change your opinions on no. this. Um, no. You can change my opinion on like, is mustard good? Um, uh, but you can't I'm change. Firm in my non-mustard stance, actually, not me. I don't know why I went with mustard because I'm pro mustard. I'm anti ketchup. Ketchup is uh, tomatoes soaked in evil. So mm-hmm. um, you, you and my older daughter are on the same ketchup train, and she was so happy to find out. That you also don't like ketchup. She was like, Kindred spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. She is an intelligent, She's very wonderful intelligent child. Although, let me tell you something. And I've said this many times before. I stand by it. Older daughter. Super intelligent, wonderful girl. Love her. Very talented. Younger daughter. Same things apply. However, even at this earliest stage, you can tell people have a certain type of mindset. Right. And you can see like what they're going to be doing in the future. Younger daughter is definitely going to be running her own company. I mean, it is just crazy. So get this. I started playing Candy Crush like again this week because I don't know, it's 2020. And at some point I was just like, I can't even look at Twitter anymore. I need something else to distract me on my phone. Younger daughter, due due to certain incidents in our household this week, younger daughter is um, not allowed to be using electronics for a little while. And she comes and she's like, well, can I just watch you play Candy? And I was like, okay, sure. Like, because that's a lot of fun. I figured she'd get bored about two seconds. That's just, that just reminds me of um, Parks and Rec when uh, Tom gets sentenced to no screens and he just wants to watch <laughs> other people. Yes, yes. It is exactly like that. So she comes and she sits next to me on the couch and she's watching me play Candy Crush. And she's like, hey, mom, can you hold up for a minute? I was like, okay. She goes, I know what your problem is and why you're not passing this level. I was like, oh, do, do tell just turned eight-year-old what's wrong she goes you see you're not being strategic enough in the way you're thinking about these things you need to see beyond the three candies in a row and look for bigger opportunities gotta look for that combo and i thought she's not wrong and i've actually (laughs) i've paid career coaches to tell me the same thing so what i'm saying is who wants to hire my eight-year-old to tell them what they're doing wrong? Because she's real good at telling you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> That's my tangent for the week. Right. So, uh, in conclusion, death penalty bad, ketchup bad. Well, I, I disagree on I disagree on the ketchup bad. <laughs> Daughter's good. Second daughter, Machiavellian. Yes, and I thank you. I also had a conversation this week about when she was going to start using her powers for good instead of evil. But I guess that is a separate conversation as well. Remember, remember when you were pregnant with a second daughter, and we were like, "Oh, she'll be first daughter's little sidekick. Oh, no. she'll be like yes, her I little do. minion." And then uh, we were nope. quickly 
quickly corrected. Um, yeah, so we are both against the death penalty, but I think we can also agree that there are some big, big, big what the fucks going on with how Lester Eubanks's incarceration was handled, how he manipulated the right. system, and what... Well, really, I think there's a million know. things that we, we need to change about the criminal justice system in this garbage country. And I feel like uh, he... Some people were trying to do that in the course of this story, and he found every little crack that he could mm-hmm. to exploit it, which also pissed me off and made me real mad, because now... Mm-hmm. We are where we are, and maybe it's in no small part thanks to people like him, right? So this is why we can't have nice things. Right? This is why people argue against things like perhaps an honor system, because mm-hmm. there's every, there's always going to be that one person that's just like, oh, you're not going to supervise me? I'm going to... Well, anyway. We'll, we'll yeah, get we'll, we'll get there. We will get there. <laughs> so this takes place in Mansfield, Ohio, in which Mansfield, I had never Ohio. heard of before, but I'm also not super familiar with Ohio, so that's... Not unusual. What's up, Ohio? Uh, O-H. I-O. Our story opens in 1965, and uh, in the cold open, we meet uh, Myrtle, who is the victim's sister, who kind of goes over, they never felt afraid in that neighborhood, they always felt okay, um, and yet this awful thing happens to her family. So She said it had a very, like, small-towny vibe to it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. you knew most people, you felt safe she never felt she lived there since she was like two two or three right since she was like a little kid and she just always remembered it being a good place to be a good place to grow up small town vibes i think we also perhaps did we see the marshal like briefly in yes we where he says you know you know because you know in our cold opens we you know you don't find out who the people are but you get some little sound bites and you hear the worst thing in the world would be is lesser you banks dies a free man so uh to quote suit to quote not so super husband who isn't listening. <laughs> um, Papaya, y'all. <laughs> where's the mystery? There's no mystery. Um, There's no mystery. <laughs> so um, we'll get, and we'll get into the Marshall, y'all. Um, so <laughs> we'll be very uh, respectful hmm. and appropriate about the Marshall. Sure will. Um, so November 14th, 1965, um, there are seven kids in this family, so they all have chores. And what Myrtle explains is that Mary Ellen and uh brenda who are 14 and 12 respectively are doing the laundry and the dryer breaks so they have a bunch of soaking wet laundry so they are going to go to the laundromat and dry the laundry my first thought was this is the first place i had to stop and take copious notes because number one seven children oh i can't imagine how how the only way you can run a household with seven children is if they are all pitching in like this let me tell you if I had seven children, I'd be like Miss Hannigan up in there with a <laughs> bathtub full of homemade gin that I was just bathing in every night. There's no, like, no, well, the children just, like, did every, like, how? How? But it seemed like she was able to raise seven, like, very responsible children. Responsible enough that when these kids had a dryer, that the dryer's not working, I would have been like, well, I guess we're hanging these up around the house until they're dry. No, no. You're gonna. You're getting it. You're taking your money. You're getting in a cab. You're going to the laundromat. Myrtle and Myrtle does say she's. At, I don't think they specify what time of night it is, but they do specify that the, um, their mother felt comfortable sending them to the laundromat at that time of night because their their grandmother lived right next door. Well, and so, they're together, right? Like there's a bunch of stuff. Like 
if my kids want to go see a neighbor or whatever, I'm like, okay, as long as you go together, because you always think, well, there's safety in numbers. They're going to keep eyes on each other. Um, and they were like super responsible kids. Right. So they go to the laundromat. Um, they're just starting to dry things. The laundromat runs out of change. So <laughs> you remember change? I do. I mean, I have a little like jar around here that's got like some toonies and some quarters in it. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with these things. Did you ever have the type of, of washer dryer you had to use where you had to use quarters like in college or your mm-hmm. apartments in D.C.? Mm-hmm. Quarters used to be the bane of my existence. I mean, remember, like, you used to be able to, like, get as a stocking stuffer, like, a little quarter dispenser. Mm-hmm. So you could just, like, have a holster and be like, pew, pew, pew. Um, <laughs> like, the, like the waitresses at Sonic. You know? Uh, uh-huh. and, or, like, uh, Dave and Buster's. And, like, they just pull out the, yeah. like, the roll. Yeah. I mean, I did. And when I switched over to a card, I was like, this is revolutionary. Yeah, well, that um, also meant that you were bougie if you are living someplace where you could use the card. Well, my last two DC apartments... Um, the one was the, my last one was the card and the one before that with the little lions out front, that mm-hmm. one was a haunted ass basement, um, with quarters. <laughs> with quarters and there was a door in the basement that had the number like half on it as if it was like an apartment, like a Harry Potter situation. Yeah. But like, it was just like a door in the middle no. of the big laundry room and the laundry room like was looked like an unfinished cavey basement. And nope. then you had, there was this door that just said half and you never saw nope. someone go in or out. And you're nope. just like, nope. Mary Ellen is going to go to this other laundromat about a five minute walk away and get change. She knows the location of every laundromat before Google Maps existed. She's like, oh no, there's another one around the corner. Maybe their I change mean, machine will work. <laughs> frankly, oh. I think someone who was working at laundromat A should have gone to get more change. But you You're know. assuming that there was someone working at laundromat should there something like an attendant or something to make sure that no one like steals a machine it's just steals if no one's there i'm walking away with a dryer oh my dryer's broken i will go get a new dryer you're like the equivalent of florida man the laundromat well mine now it's a long abandonment now this belongs to me no one's watching me who knows what i'm gonna do so You'd also take uh, <laughs> off of the ATM that's attached to the wall. Just back up that pickup truck. Okay. Load her up. They should have had someone there. That's on them. That's on them. <laughs> so, uh, Brendan realizes after, you know, however much time that Mary Ellen hasn't come back and goes next door, gets her grandma. Uh, the grandma goes to look for her at the other laundromat and happens upon the crime scene where Mary Ellen has been shot twice is what we we're kind of initially told. Um, and that's when we meet, uh, he's retired now, but he was Mansfield, uh, PD's captain, John Arcudi. Um, and he said that, you know, he basically goes over how they found Lester Eubanks. He says, we determined the caliber of the gun. We went to, around to local gun stores that found out, you know, looked at their books to find out who bought that recently. They find Lester Eubanks and they, you know, start looking for him. Actual, Myrtle, factual police work on the ground police work yeah and then uh and myrtle mentions that she knew who he was like you would see him walking around she said he was kind of weird and he would walk around with nunchucks all the time that was a fun detail i made your note here listeners if there's that one guy who walks around your town constantly twirling nunchucks like maybe maybe have a buddy system around buddy system he could be 
He could end up being like the the old man in Home Alone, where he's just nice and like. Oh, you don't want to take that chance. I don't, I don't not want to find out. Chance. I don't want to find out if he's the old man from Home Alone. You just you you. There's a healthy dose of fear and respect that's got to happen with Nunchuck Dude before you verify because he could be enough normal and he could be a Lister Eubanks. So, uh, this is also so she said. So Myrtle says he was weird. He was a loner. Cut to David Seiler who is a deputy U.S. Marshal in the Northern Ohio Violent Fugitive Task Force. Hey, David. Hey. Words cannot express to you how handsome this man is. And impassioned with a drive for justice? Yeah, like, like, typically I'm very, you know, okay, law enforcement. But, like, I was just like, hello. hello. How are you, sir? Tell us. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I just get um, Elliot Stabler from SVU vibes. He just, you know, he has a passion for justice, and he takes it personally. Personally. Um, But, yeah, so we meet David Seiler, who says, kind of contradicts Myrtle a little bit, says he was well-liked, that Lester Eubanks was well-liked, could fit in anywhere. But also was a sexual predator. Um, what and that he was, the hell? But, and that he was actually out on bond from a rape attempt when this happens. Um, so, on that Sunday, uh, the police pick up Lester Eubanks and he confesses in detail to what he did. Like, and why, why, yes, I did. I did do that. The timeline is uh, he grabs Mary Ellen from when he sees her walking by, sees an opportunity, grabs her. Um, she starts, pulls her into an alley. She starts screaming. Um, he shoots her twice to shut her up and then leaves and goes home and gets dressed to go dancing. Like you uh, do. You know, just after you've murdered a small child. Um, so then as he's leaving, I assume to go dancing, he, uh, and this is about 45 minutes later, he just doubles back by the scene. And Why not? It's what you do. She is still alive and um, writhing on the ground in pain. So he goes and gets a brick and finishes the job. This man is a monster. He shows no remorse about this. Not that if that would make it any better, but like he's just sort of like, yeah, this is what I did, you know? Right. And the confession, they were only highlighting certain parts of it, but it was long and they said, very detailed which is how they knew that they had the right person and um neither one of the grown men david nor the other guy that was talking about it who of course i don't know of course i don't know john john captain um, john. neither one of them could get into much detail they both had to stop themselves john was look I mean, he was tearing up his eyes were red he was tearing up and david did the Elliot Stabler thing where he he threw it down. He's like, I can't even read anymore. The man is a monster. Sick. Makes me sick. Um, Ma- makes yeah, a- makes me sick. Makes us sick as well. And like, and literally yes, neither does. of them, neither of them even say what happened with the brick. They just say he finishes the job. Lester's trial is in May of 1966. So a few months later, because this was in November of 65, she goes to the trial every day because she says she wants to show Lester that uh, Mary Ellen was cared for to show that he took someone away that was well-loved. At this point, we also meet Dale Fortney, who was a lieutenant in the Mansfield PD at the time. And um, he says uh, that Lester wanted to get up there and testify. 
uh, and this is a, a trait of a narcissist that he wanted to get up there and basically put on a show. Right. Well, and and when I heard that, I was like, oh, surely he's going to want to get up there and say, um, I was coerced. I wasn't there. They railroaded me. No, 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 no. no. He basically gets up there and raises his hand and said, yeah, yeah, that was me. I did that. Yeah. Um, said, cool, no, cool, cool. no remorse no remorse except for being no. caught that's right and he's convicted and sentenced to death and then that i was, was like that episode over dun 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 but no we are in unsolved mysteries <laughs> this is right. not how that happens and myrtle was like we were happy yeah Justice. as happy as they could be like this was the best outcome that they could have had after what he did to her sister and right and you know as much peace as you could get from it she said that it brought their family some measure of peace right and again, even though I'm very much against the death penalty, I can see where a family would be like, well, you murdered our daughter. So it makes sense that, you know, justice should say eye for an eye. I, I get that that would give them that sense of relief. <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you, um, they showed then uh, a picture of the jail in Columbus, but I didn't know that it was the prison at first it was just it looked like this old like white big white building with these awnings i thought oh that's a lovely resort and said and this was where death row was in downtown columbus ohio at this point we meet uh ron o'brien who was a prosecutor um at the time and then uh we also meet quote unquote bill bill who was a former death row inmate um, bill who... made me laugh he just goes, he didn't like Lester. You know, he was just like, he had a lot of opinions. He was really cocky, you know, so that people okay. avoided him. He didn't just say he didn't like him. First of all, knew him. Second of all, yeah. didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill looks like an old grandpa that lives down the street. And they were like, here's quote unquote Bill, former death row inmate. I was like, what the hell did Bill do? <laughs> Probably something just as bad as Lester. And he's like, didn't like him. He was he was a jerk. Like, what were you, Bill? <laughs> I, what were, but you don't ask that, you know, when you're in the big house. You don't ask Of course not. For him. You're not supposed to ask them. Oh, prison rules. I know. <laughs> but Ron does say that he's confined in the Ohio State Penitentiary, which is in downtown Columbus. And the marshal. says that uh, Lester's execution was pushed back for unknown reasons for uh, three times. So say, not once, like, not twice, not twice, thrice. They can't dig into everything, and I'm sure the answer is just um, bureaucracy or something. But like, sure. I really want to know what those reasons were. Because it's like for unknown reasons, pushed back three times, and then pushed back long enough that we hit 1972 when the Supreme Court abolishes the death penalty. So. All of the sentences for death row revert to life sentences, and Eubanks is moved to Gen Pop. Um, Bill adds a little bit more. Color I'm, I'm here. down on the prison lingo, but in case you're not, that's general population. <laughs> we are hardened criminals. Gen Pop. That's what they the call it. <laughs> sure, we've all seen enough SVU. We, <laughs> no we have. We have. I don't know about anybody else. I think if they're listening to this podcast, that um, I don't think you should make assumptions about our listeners. Well, they're except beautiful for the and intelligent people, gorgeous 
and they have these big sexy brains that just don't end just wrinkly brains not smooth brains Um, so uh bill gives us a little bit more flavor he says you know that lester could look like a good guy but he's not and we're like yeah we got you we got got it um so the marshal says uh that uh eubanks basically won the guards over and they allowed him into this honor program that was you know part of like kind of the prison reform movement of the time um that was intended which all of this makes perfect sense to prepare prisoners for re-entering society the real you know more of a rehabilitation however you on incarceration however however he had a life sentence, so he was not going to be reintegrating with society. So right. I, again, I don't understand why he was eligible for this program when certainly there were other offenders who might have had a chance at getting out one day. Right. And then they also say that um, it was to basically incentivize good conduct and help control the population. So, you know, people aren't going to start fights or whatever if it might get them kicked out of, you know, this honor program. So... He woos the guards, gets put into this program. Um, at this point, uh, Dale, who we met earlier, says, this was a real bad idea. <laughs> like, I, I laughed. They, right, Dale? Because he mentions that the program that also real had... Emphasis on the real. That was a real bad It's a real bad idea. Because <laughs> um, he mentions there was a high recidivism rate um, where... For sexual predators. Nowadays, no one would he it would he wouldn't be eligible for the program and wouldn't be in the program because a sexual predator like him has a high recidivism rate. Um, oh, and he so, killed a child. So there's yeah, that. yeah. Again, always think of it from the perspective of you know prison reform isn't needed and you know yes, all of these things are needed. But dear God, there's got to be some accountability for these violent predators that are um, <sighs> you know that we're dealing with here. So, uh, eight years after the murder, uh, in December of 1973, there is a furlough program that Eubanks gets to participate in. And uh, he and three other inmates get to go on a shopping trip for Christmas presents for their families. Isn't that lovely? And also, they get to wear civilian attire. And let me tell you, I know this is a reenactment, okay? I know. But the outfit, the 70s-tastic <laughs> outfit that they had, the guy playing Lester Eubanks in, in this reenactment, it was walking out there like Dolomite or something. I don't know. It was just like that leather jacket, the fitted leather jacket with the lapels, and then the leather hat all oh jaunty to the side. I mean, oh. if, the, if they were going to pay for the royalty rights, you know that as uh, as he walks out, it would be, you can tell by the way I move my walk, I'm a No, no time, time to talk. Here's what gets me. I get the furlough program. However, uh, the inmates are allowed to just go shopping. They don't stay as a group. They don't stay with guard supervision. What the fuck did they think was going to happen? If not with this group, then eventually with someone. Because eventually someone's going to be like, wait, you're you're not watching me? I'm going to take this dryer and I'm going to go. They're like, um, I learned from the best. Her name's <laughs> like- Katie. And uh, she always told me, if no one's watching, I'm going to take this drive from the London. <laughs> I'm going to take, take it. Um, not necessarily me, but, like, someone go take it. It's just like, it's with Halloween. You put out a bowl of candy and say, take one. Your bowl is gone. All the candy is gone. Your bowl is gone. The sign is gone. <laughs> your the jack-o'-lanterns smashed in the street. I mean, it's just going to, someone's going to do it. Your so, window um, egged. That happened to us in D.C. at our house one one time. 
on Halloween, and we had plenty of candy. Just came and egged the house. It was awful. Why? Um. So apparently, it was basically just it was it was the method my parents used back in the day when they would just take my brother and i to the mall mall. and let us go with our allowance and run around free cell phone we will meet meet you back in front of the fountain in two two. hours (laughs) like okay mom basically i'm surprised i wasn't kidnapped Uh, the 80s were a different time i guess no one Uh, was looking in the wet seal to kidnap a (laughs) young teenage girl excuse me yes the Claire's, please. Um, <laughs> so it was basically report back by two. So they're in civilian attire. They have money in their hands to go shopping. Um, and it's just like, be back at two, yo. Like, and then for, okay. Again, the civilian attire, where did it come from? Number two. Maybe it's what they checked much, in with. How, checked in. What they were imprisoned with. Here's your, here's your oddly uh decade specific outfit that you checked in with 10 years ago you checked into the hotel with um also how much money are they giving them like i mean maybe it's like what they're earning because like you're, you're probably doing like work commissary money so they could go buy a pack of gum and walk around for three hours i mean as we're learning nothing about this makes sense so I maybe know. they were just like here is all your dollars um surprise surprise eubanks didn't report back at two he just you know walked out Captain John says, what were they thinking? And I was like, yeah, what were they thinking? That's a good point. So, Katie, something you may not know about me is that I maybe have a family member who spent some time in the Fed pen and was in a similar uh, type of program, not quite on the Christmas shopping level program, but the... Like, hey, we, we trust you. You're here for a nonviolent crime. Like, you can just drive this truck around for us and, like, run some errands because we totally trust you. And that was also not the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, listeners, I'm making um, the face. So many of, shocked faces. Of, of a colon and then a lowercase O. <laughs> That's my face. I did not know this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, what were they thinking? That was yeah. a real bad idea. <laughs> I mean. So literally, okay. So they show <laughs> they show a headline of like a local paper that says child murderer escapes. And in my notes, I really wrote, is it really an escape if he just walks away? Like, it's not like he did a daring do Shawshank, you know, tunnel with a spoon. He <laughs> walked makes away. It sound much more dramatic than it was. He literally was just like. I'm, I'm cool here on my own. All right, peace. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna groove my way on out to this funky disco music and just um, as you can, as you can tell, listeners, I cannot sing. Um, if, anyway, uh, if he had roller skates, he would have been grooving <laughs> right on out. So uh, we check back in with Myrtle and she says the sheriff called her mother and told the family basically that he had escaped and they were all devastated, obviously. I, um, I was like, wow, she this woman has been through so much and she is able to tell this story and the chronology uh-huh. of what happened so calmly. Like uh-huh. everything that has happened that she has told us so far is unreal and completely outrageous and she has the grace to just sit there and talk about it and not Mm. lose her goddamn mind i mean a call from the sheriff saying hey 
we took a like, shopping trip. We kind of like lost him. I mean, my head would have exploded. And she's just like, yeah, really upset. I was like, yeah, Merle, I feel like that doesn't even like, begin to cover. Fucking kidding. Like, does anybody work over at that prison downtown? I hope so, because... Oh, we're about to get... We haven't even hit... So I was already, like, freaking out, but we're not even at the part yet where my brain literally exploded in rage. So we're going to get to that point. I had... (laughs) Literally, I had to bust out the CBD gummies. I was so mad. Um, And it's going to spark a tangent, so get ready. Um, Yes. So... Uh, Prosecutor Ron says, um, I love how now I don't remember their last names and like refer to them as humans. It's just like Cap and John. Prosecutor Ron. <laughs> You're welcome. Welcome to my world. And then the market. Um, Literally, guys, like, he doesn't look, he's not, like, preternaturally beautiful or anything. Sorry, uh, David, if you're listening. But, like, it's just, there's it's something nice about man. him where I'm just, like, hey. He's so impassioned. And you know what? I bet he'd say fucking papaya. I, I bet, I bet he'd be, a, I bet he'd be a super dedicated listener, would even uh, rate five stars and leave a review. Oh. Be like the marshal. Uh, so, yeah, so Prosecutor Ron says that he doesn't think it was spur of the moment. Which then leads us to the marshal letting mm. us know that they looked at his visitation list leading up to the escape, and he said it was alarming that you know he's getting visited more frequently. Like people who would then visit like once a month were then visiting like once a week. So he's saying that this was obviously pre-planned, and that these people who were visiting him were probably like helped him and were culpable. And you know maybe as he strolled out of the mall, you know one of them kind of drove by and got him or something like that. And yeah. Um, David reports that when they went to go talk to his family and associates, they failed to surrender any information as to where he was. They failed to surrender. I'm going to start using this cop lingo <laughs> in my day-to-day. It's great. Uh, it's like, you you failed to surrender that email I asked for? Um, <laughs> really going to need that fucking, you need, you need to surrender that, uh, that report right now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Franklin County puts in a local warrant and... <laughs> Side note, at this point, they zoom in on it and confinement is spelled wrong and it really upset me. Um, <laughs> it's, it said co-finement. Um, and at, if, if that's a term, at me, but I think it's just a typo. Uh, Katie, you don't know that word? Uh, co-finement. I mean, I learned cremains. I was going to say it's in the dictionary time. right next to cremains. <laughs> um, and then also. Co-finement. Is it because David is co there's a local warrant because he escaped confinement, and then there is a, supposed to be an FBI warrant that's a federal warrant. So if he gets picked up, and David explains this, anywhere for anything, he would go back to Mansfield and be back in Ohio and locked up forever. Um, so we get the little Chiron thing that says there were no leads until 20 years later. So dot 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 dot. dot. So in December of 93, I want to say it was Captain John, um, Mm -hmm. is just like, hmm, haven't heard anything on this in a while. Weird. Let me me take a look for it. So he looks up Lester Eubanks to see if, like, he was picked up anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because his thought was maybe he got picked up somewhere, but, you know, it didn't go into the system correctly. And so it didn't trigger 
like he needs to go back and be locked up forever so he's just like in a local jail somewhere so, so, so that's he, his, his right and his thought was let me boot up ye old dos machine here and C- enter in a C- script cd backslash uh windows.exe and you know what comes back what comes back katie Zero, zero fucking warrants. I got so this is where I lost my mind. Yes. Um, because then prosecutor Ron goes, This was either a lack of necessary follow up or a clerical error. Right. It was a clerical, fu- like someone didn't do their fucking job. And because of that, this motherfucker is still, oh my God. And I, mm. in police speak, there were no affirmative steps being taken in this case. It made me, I know, it made me think back to the last episode with the uh, the government workday of an hour and a half. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing? Literally, nothing makes me angrier. Like, I have these, like, okay. Yeah, the lack of follow-up or clerical error was really just, God, it's such a nice way of being like, it. shit happens, I guess. I'm, right, and it's just like, it's one of those things where if I make a mistake in my job where... I, you know, design something for someone and let's say there's a typo. No one's going to die. No one's going to get raped. No one's, you know, one yeah, would assume. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't know what weird stack of dominoes would have to fall for that to be a result of anything that I do. Um, but there are some, you know, everyone's human, but there are some jobs where maybe, maybe there needs to be more oversight or more care to be taken and the fact that no one fucking checked on these fucking warrants for 20 fucking years. Oh, you can. Oh, more F-bombs. I want my parents to call me after listening to this episode and be mad at how much I'm cursing right now. They probably so, don't listen either. But So, so um, Katie, what, what yeah. do they do when they find out? Like, what's the next best thing that one can do when you find out that there have been no warrants in your system for like 20 fucking years? What can you do? Well, M.M., uh... I hope they put those warrants in there, but also they put him on America's Most Wanted. Yes, John Walsh. What's up? Which, honestly, pays back some dividends here because oh. they do get a, te- a tip that Not a text, leads them. but a tip, yes. Uh, a what? You said they got a text. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said I got a tip. Like, I said T-E-P. <laughs> because... You know, what? what is English? What, all words are made up, honestly. They really are. Co-finement. 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 That's, that's going to be our, like our 80s jam. Like, co-finement. Hey, girl. Co-finement. Hey, girl. Let me co-fine you in my heart. <laughs> Light some candles. Co-fine you in my heart. Pour some wine. Gonna set a mood here. Get that confinement mm-hmm. on. Anyway, oh my god, I'm so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So serious phase. So we get the tip that about that Lester was out with his cousin's wife. His, um, his cousin's widow. Yes. Uh, uh, Kay Banks out in L.A. Yeah, so, in, so now we're in 1994. We meet T. Connor, who was a former LAPD detective, and who's the one who went out and followed up with Kay Banks. And um, basically, she was super cooperative with him because she's afraid she could, would get caught up in it. And I was just like, uh, yeah, you harbored a fugitive. Because, and you knew he was because she had been his prison pen pal and he had her picture up in his cell. So when mm-hmm. David tells me, 
that they interviewed his family and associates and they failed to surrender information as to his whereabouts. I, again, thought, was it just good enough for a day of government work? Am I right? Because hey. nobody, nobody talked to her. No one was like, who is this woman in his cell who has been writing him letters? Maybe she has something to do with this situation. So uh, we trace then uh, via the interview with Kay, um, Lester's trail. So he walks away. He has his daring escape. Uh, he walks away from the mall. <laughs> daring. He ends up in he ends up in Michigan, and he just chills in Michigan for a little bit to see if he's being chased or caught. And then, like clearly, like you do. Well, that's where I go to just chill when I'm waiting to see if the cops are on my tail. I think they said he um, painted houses to make try to yep. make some money, and somehow someone helps him or whatever. But he gets on a bus to California. This is about three weeks after his escape. On the bus to California, the bus gets pulled over by law enforcement. And maybe, maybe. I don't know if this would have happened because they were just looking for illegal fruit, apparently. But I'm going to go on another rant about our garbage country where they care more, supposedly, about illegal fruit. This is not like in Hawaii where, like, Thank bringing you. fruit there matters. I have this is like taking heard. fruit from Michigan to Ohio. Like I have mm. never heard of this illegal fruit crossing state lines in the continental U.S. I've only seen it be a big deal in Hawaii, which is understandable and makes sense. It's a delicate ecosystem. You want to see what you're introducing, what you're not introducing into this area. You don't need invasive species. Yes, I care about the planet. At me, I don't care. But what is this whole illegal fruit into california Are you gonna tell me you are not supposed to take a banana from oregon into california what is this who are these fruit cops i said fruit cops i'm picturing a banana with a little police uniform on <laughs> i actually went apple but now i'm like they're partners and it's a very real odd serious. Couple. Yes, it's a very yes. odd couple situation because one of them, like the apples, kind of you know, like the bigger dude who's been on the forest for sure, a while. He's sure. you know a couple days from retirement. Sure, he's seen it all. Bananas, the young hotshot. <laughs> he has something proof. He's on this bus. He's going to California. <laughs> it gets pulled over, and you ha- have to think if the warrants were actually in the system, would it have mattered? I don't know if they ran everyone's ID or if there was just the guy getting on, going like, "Hey, you, do you have some papayas?" Um, <laughs> Grapes? Grapes? Anybody got some grapes? You're not supposed to bring grapes into California. No kiwis? Nothing. We are, they grow their own oranges and avocados there. No outside food. Just no like You can't fruits. bring shit into a movie theater. Um, remember the movie theaters? Remember those? Um, I used to yeah. really like movie theaters. Yeah. 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 I liked going to movies alone. Same. And it's not... Same. I mean, it's... Because, like, who are you going to talk to? If you're talking to someone during the movie, fuck you. Um, anyway... So, uh, he escapes, and he's just like, I don't have any illegal fruit, sir, um, and gets out to L.A., um, you know, surprises Kay, and starts living under the assumed name of Victor Young. He gets a hunting license, because you don't need any sort of ID or fingerprints to get one of those. Um, and T has a fantastic quote here. He mentions that he looked and saw that he was uh, that Lester was a talented painter, and said, he was really talented. He was just evil. Again, when are you going to start using that that talent for uh, good instead of evil? Did you do you watch this with the subtitles on? I do. Okay. Did you notice what the subtitle was for there? This is L.A. in the nineteen seventies. No. Disco funk music playing, which 
which I have to say is basically how I always imagine the seventies in general, not, not even specifically to LA. Yeah. It's just the general world had was kind of like a uh, Disney world or Disneyland where there's just ambient yeah. disco funk music, music for, yeah, where you are. Yeah. 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 Uh, Kay says that Lester was a bully and she wanted him out of there and was, and was afraid of him. As she um, should have been. Only now afraid of not you know, while the she was pin palling him, and I'm sure bought him a bus ticket is the only thing I can think of. Because why? Who else is buying him a bus ticket to get to where she is? Um, so she makes instead of actually calling the FBI, she makes up a story and says, "Hey, the FBI called about you the other day, and he's in the wind." So he goes to Gardena and has a uh, and works at a mattress manufacturer. So they kind of find him, they trail him there. Tale as old as time. <laughs> you know, into the mid, and he works there till about the mid '80s. Crazy um, is what they find out. Um, and then the LAPD basically says, "We've done all we can do. We've hit all, we've run down every lead. We've hit all the dead ends." So they stop working the case in '96 because they don't know where he went after he left that mattress manufacturing job. Cut to 2003. Our next break in the case, we meet Michael Vinson, who was an Ohio State Highway Patrolman. Um, and he's basically given the case like, hey, look into this, see what you can find. So he looks into um, Lester's father, Moe's. Yeah, I was going to say, he has the brilliant idea. Maybe someone should talk to his dad. And Maybe. again, David, Mr. David Marshall, sir, you said people talk to his family and associates. Did anybody ever talk to his dad until 2003? I mean- Maybe they did, but, and he was one of, because they said they talked to his family and no one said anything. So, and even now in 2003 in the interview, um, Mose is just like, I'm not going to talk about Mose. Lester. Is, is Mose also, was that Dwight's brother's name in the yes. office? Yes. Nice. Nice. Played, played by Michael Shore, who oh. then went and created Parks and Rec, The Good Place, Amazing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The talent of a generation. The talent that that has, the resonance that that has, the iconicness that that has. I don't know what that actual clip is, but you know what I'm going for. So, uh, Vincent goes and talks to the father, who's apparently works with people to, like, you know, to turn over new leaves or whatever. And um, the only thing that he says about Lester is he says, people, some people change and move on and um, live new lives. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and so Vincent's like, Oh, this dude definitely knows uh-huh. where Lester uh-huh. is. Um, and via an informant, um, they find out that at one point someone overhears Moe saying, like, goes, he gets on the phone with his son in Alabama. Sorry, that was my son in Alabama, he says to this person. So they track down where he was in Alabama. They subpoena Moses' phone records. They see that he was getting a lot of calls from a center for troubled youth. Ironic, in Alabama. And um, apparently uh, Lester had been working there. And as I, I mean, I assume from the, re- the reenactment, he was a janitor because they showed someone with a mop, but they don't actually say what he was doing there. Um, and by the time they get there, he'd already left about, I think they say about a month ago. So they miss him. And Vincent's like, we got really close, but this is unsolved mysteries. So, so unsolved. Cut to uh, July of 2018. This is 45 years after the escape and the marshal 
pushes for Eubanks to be on the list of the 15 most wanted, which is the worst of the worst. And they call them the uncatchables and things like that, just to kind of further the exposure and further it adds to the reward. And basically it's just like, we want to catch these people and puts it on, basically puts them on more radars because he wants to catch mm-hmm. this guy. Basically, and then now the rest of the episode is basically them giving us everyone watching details of if you know him if you see him so it's like he's got a huge scar they list a bunch of states where his associates are how does he have associates in so many states in like it's like every corner of the country it florida texas alabama california washington state ohio michigan yeah yeah he could be in your backyard you know the one place he's not the (laughs) mid-atlantic Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's where he is, because why would you look where you have no associates? Why would you would go where you have no associates? Why would he go he there? He has to go where he has there. associates. How, how else is he going to get by? Um, and then also, uh, the marshal said <sighs> that there's a reward of $25,000 for anyone who gives information that leads to his capture. And he says, like, I would love to give someone that money. I, I thought of a million jokes and i was like out of respect for this man i'm not gonna say any of them although i did do some google machining oh excellent because at that point that's when we get the if you know anything go to unsolved or call the marshals fbi marshal get this fuck get this fucker caught i mean they did not give us david's phone number So updates, first update, which came out pretty soon after they released the episode, was that they increased the reward from twenty five to 50000 and he would love to give someone that money. Could I, like, specify, can you give me that money over dinner? <laughs> Deduct $100 <laughs> for a dinner expense and give me... The remaining forty nine thousand nine hundred. You guys, this is this is a horrific case, and it's so this so is how awful. we this is how we deal with the rage and the upset and the feeling of impotence that we have. That like, I would love nothing more than for me to be like, you know, that dude looks like that dude that I see walking down the street, <laughs> you know, and to be like, I don't even care about the money. I just want that dude fucking caught. Yes. Like, um, so this is how we cope with it, and I hope that everyone understands. There's, there's no other way to get through it. There's no other way to get through it. Um, and the other update was that, kind of even has been as, as lately as last month, that they've reached out to the chief psychologist uh, of the U.S. Marshal Service to do a criminal profile of this guy to see, like, what is Lester thinking? Where could he be at this point in his life? But also to train the marshal service for any agents that might come into contact with them. They're saying basically by the time you're an adult, your interactions with other adults are very set. It's very hard to change those, uh, your communication style. And Mm -hmm. so really training agents on what you would do and say, if you thought someone might be Lester Eubanks, which I thought was really interesting. Like, uh, Hey, Hey bro. Um, cool nunchucks. Uh, basically if you want to come back to my want to come back to my dojo i'll show you my nunchucks i am i'm thinking of like an elmer fudd type trap 
with some nunchucks, a <laughs> like stick, a and a box. This way. <laughs> we just stick in a box. You grab them, the box falls down, and you, ta-da, you've caught Australia Banks. It's like nunchucks, a, a, a paint palette. Cause that, oh, that is one thing that I kind of didn't mention in, in the over thing. Um, he, like, he, they allowed him to paint in prison, which, like, again, like, you got to do that you, uh, enrichment and things like that. Sure. That makes sense. Um, but he's, like, allowed to participate and go out for, like, art shows. And so they're, they're saying that there's pictures of him at these art shows with other people in the art show. And they have no idea that this is a, a murderer. Again, civilian attire in the art show. Oh, like, let him participate, but, like, fully tell people who he is. He had some really, like... I mean, he seemed like he was really talented or is really talented, has some great art, but you know who else was? Hitler. I don't really give a yeah, shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, so basically, it's just, as as T. Connor says, he mm. seemed really talented. He's just evil. Just evil. And it seemed like he had, oh, well, it didn't even just seem like he had no remorse. And that, I mean, that really broke my heart at the end when Myrtle was saying, his dad never reached out to say my son wanted me to come and tell you he's sorry or I'm sorry for what my son did. Just his family had never had any type of interaction with mm-hmm. her family, which I'm trying to put myself in Myrtle's place. Like some part of me would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want you to contact me. But I can also see, well, it's been 40 plus years since this man escaped from jail for murdering your sister as a child. And... I feel like the least you could do would be to apologize on behalf of your son. Mm-hmm. For example, at the grocery store today, does not compare. At the grocery store today. <laughs> D- um, different stakes, different stakes. Different stakes. Uh, my daughter did that thing where she just, kids do where they have no perception of the world around them mm-hmm. because they are the universe. And so she st- like directly stepped in front of someone with a shopping cart. Like, I mean... And they had to do that swervy thing. And I was like, I, I'm so sorry. You know, you're always apologizing for your, you're always apologizing for your children. Why, why this time? I don't know. I mean, and even, and even if it ends up like, let's say, you know, Moe's were to do that and it, it doesn't offer them any peace or anything. Make the effort. Like no one has apparently to, gone to talk to them. Absolutely nobody. Right. And it's just like, Be who decent. knows what it would offer them, but try. Don't That's just right. go like, well, they probably don't want to hear from me. Let me tell you, I told you, I previewed, I watched the episode for next week. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. It you is. know how much I love ghost stories, and I'm happy to drop all my ghost stories next week or not, but the first 20 or 30 minutes of that episode are rough. Really, yeah. really rough. Yeah. Just prepare yourself. It's going to be a heavy wine night. I, I recommend pre-gaming, <laughs> during gaming. Post, post-gaming. Mm-hmm. Moving the chains. Oh, the um, chains. Yeah, so listeners, thank you so much for listening to episode nine of the One Times Mysteries podcast. Um, this one was rough, as some of these tend to be. It's not going to get better um, next week. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> but we will promise some ghost stories. If you'll recall from our Aliens episode, she has seen a ghost and experienced ghostly thing yes so we will hit that as well to maybe uh lighten the atmosphere after this uh pretty dark episode next time which is our ghost episode uh, of the season so you can contact us at wine times pod on twitter or instagram and or our individual accounts i am at katie haas and uh, mm is at true crime wine 69 and email us please yes. at wine times pod at gmail.com 
feedback, questions, any sort of your own ghost stories, mysteries, anything like that. Um, if you have your we- own musical mixtape of <laughs> go find me, jump Were you it. also just so strangely drawn to David that you were just like, what is, mm, what is his this? deal? If you, you know, would if you would like to hear a whole separate podcast about our police fruit team, <laughs> please let us know. Because I can yeah. really see that taken off. That's that's thinking strategically. My daughter would approve. Uh, I would love it if your daughters would perhaps draw our fruit cop team. <laughs> Me too. I'll see see if I can make we'll that happen. On, we'll put it on the gram. <laughs> Yes. Um, if you would like to draw the fruit cop team, we'll share it. <laughs> I would love to see the fruit cop. Remember, the apple's seen some shit. Yeah, uh, the apple is Danny Glover. And <laughs> the banana is Bruce Willis? What am I thinking of? Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover. Mel Gibson. Uh, that's oh, that's no, I don't want to uh, see any... any, any anthropomorphic no. pictures even no Gibson. but like okay the young the young rogue rookie who doesn't play by the rules and then the type know. not the actual yes. yeah Ugh. anti-semitic person thank you so much my brain kicked in on that way too well i see that. there's a reason that you had a mental block there nobody wants to remember yeah, that yeah it's trying to protect it's trying Sorry. to protect me Sorry. um all right guys this was great come pop a bottle with us next time please and, uh, you'll need one for next week Oh, geez. <laughs> Hashtag wink. Where are you at? <laughs> Hit me up. Order now. I'll co-find myself with you, wink. Oh, <laughs> that's the greatest thing I ever heard. <laughs>